Today on Inside the Ropes, a word you never thought you'd hear uttered on this podcast. Plus, we speak to the successful Gabby Ruffles in Las Vegas, Catherine Norris before a big fundraising event, and we go to Glenelg Golf Club to discuss all the good things happening around South Australian golf. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. Hello and welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 170. Cannot believe it. And to celebrate, we've given you a break from Andy Marr. I can't believe I've just said that because that's really going to rock the great man's... uh, aspirations to come back bright and bubbly in a couple of weeks but he's had a deserved uh, little holiday from inside the ropes and a couple of other duties so uh stay well andy but to that end i'm joined by two of the great contributors to inside the ropes some have done a bit more golf than others i don't i'll let you to let you guys decide <laughs> as you're here but firstly welcome along stacy peters Thank you, Hazy. Excited to be back. Obviously, um, yeah, sad to not see Mari on here, but um, I think we'll be able to fill those shoes, eh? <laughs> well, I like your confidence. <laughs> uh, uh, you'll notice that I did separate you as a Geelong supporter from him as a Carlton supporter, so you should thank me for that. That's Thank you. Important. Happy to not see him on today, actually. Yeah, I thought you might be. Now, uh, a, I think Jewel... European Tour winner and Vic Open champion, and I throw all the way back to Justin Falconer, our fellow co-host today. Have you done anything like that, mate? I would love to make a case um, to compare my contribution to golf to Stace's, but uh, even even I don't think I can mount much of a much of an argument. So, no, good to be hazy. Uh, good to see you too, Stace. Thanks, feel- Jazzy. You too, mate. You're making feel- me blush. I feel like if I start by throwing you guys under the bus, then we should, um, you know, we should be right from then on. Things will go smoothly from here, Hazy. Oh, well, I've, I've started as I intend to continue. So let's see how many times I can chip <laughs> you in the next hour or so. Um, <laughs> speaking of people who have done a lot in golf, uh, we start the show with a look at, uh, at Dustin Johnson, who uh, won the Travelers Championship this week in the United States. Uh, I have said a few times on this podcast, I'm not his biggest fan, but there's no doubt his physical attributes are unbelievable. But in going uh, all the way after his career low round of 61 on the, on the Saturday uh, in Connecticut, I believe the tournament is, he's hung on. He's hit one out of, out of bounds on Sunday. He's hit one almost into the water and played it ankle deep from the pond <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and still won his 21st victory on the PGA Tour, which starts to put him up into the realms of the, uh, you know, the all-time greats. Puts him, would you believe, one ahead of Greg Norman. It's sort of scary, to be honest. What do you guys, how do you rate him? The numbers are starting to really add up. Yeah, I guess when he, he's really starting to put the uh, the victories up, that when you're above the 20 mark, Casey, I think that is uh, that is really another level. And I, I saw something come out about the, you know, his career earnings now. Um, is it above... Above sixty-three, you guys might back me up on this, but sixty-three million. Yeah. Um, that's really another uh, kettle of fish, there, isn't it? And he really—he's just the all-round athlete. Um, he's just an absolute athlete. Yeah. Did you do you rate him as a golfer, Stace, or do you just think he's an athlete who smashes the ball? Um, I think over the last uh, couple of years, when we've seen him really, uh, probably two, three years, when. 
it looks like to me that he really has worked on some of the the weaknesses, the flaws uh, in his game that uh, I guess probably inside a hundred mark because uh, he's always had the length, always had that the athleticness about him. Um, and I, I do I rate him as a golfer. Yes, yes, I do. Yep. Before I get your thoughts, Justin, I really would like uh, you know your opinion on this too. I saw John Huggan, a, a regular contributor to, to this podcast and all things Golf Australia, uh, bemoan on Twitter that, you know, what's the thrill in watching a lob wedge hit to the 72nd green to determine a, a champion? And I get that. I fully get that. And for what it's worth, I agree. Then the counter argument from a lot of people on Twitter was, well, he was the only one who hit it 350 yards uh, into a, you know, the eye of a needle on the 72nd hole to be able to do that. So, um, you know, I have been in the hug and camp whereby I sort of criticise him for bashing up courses physically, but there's no doubt his physical talents have enabled him to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, and I don't think Huggy's probably bashing up Dustin Johnson for that. I probably think it's obviously the whole other argument. I'm sure you'll agree that uh, Dustin Johnson being allowed to do that is probably the problem. But you're, you're exactly right. I looked at the dispersion map this morning on the PGA Tour. There's that stuff of that 18th green on the final day. And there was dots sort of all straight across the fairway and in the rough. It's pretty narrow fairway. Dustin Johnson's ball on that map is had to be 15 or 20 yards further up towards the green and smack bang in the middle of the fairway. So he's absolutely nuked it off the last tee and you can't begrudge him. I think he needed to make par to win that tournament and to hit that drive at that time. It sort of says a lot about what kind of player he is. And it feels like he's been, he's 36 years old. It feels like he's been 31 or 32 for 10 years because he hasn't really dipped in the way he's played. He probably hasn't had as many wins as he accrued earlier on, probably earlier last decade. But he's he's been unbelievable. He's got the most wins of any player since 2008 on the PGA Tour. I think he's one clear of Tiger, and that's a list that has Spieth, Day, uh, Thomas, all those sorts of players on it. So, um, and I think he's gone back into the top five. He dropped out last week of the world rankings for the first time since he won the US Open. Uh, he dropped to sixth, so this win takes him back to third now. And that's a good sort of four or five years of incredibly being in the top five in the world where. Most people couldn't nail down who the best five players in the world are. It probably feels like there's 15 or 20 top five players in the world most weeks. So pretty amazing effort for him to still be doing this at the age of 36, I reckon. Yeah, I agree with all of that, Jazzy, and some great uh, great stats you just pull out there, Jazzy. That was uh, that was impressive. Um, but <laughs> even the way he goes about things, you know, he doesn't he doesn't have a textbook swing. You know, he, he doesn't. And he just goes about it, uh, you know, his own way. I kind of, I really like that part about him as well. Oh, I feel a bit of pressure from Justin when he comes on because I do think he's gunning for my job today. So I've got to come up with something <laughs> here to, to sort of calm him down a little bit. Um, Rory McElroy, he's three wins ahead of Rory McElroy since yeah. 2008. And there's no way that you would think that on face value. Um, yeah. I think his... his Shortcoming, I suppose, for for want of a better phrase, is the one major championship. And I was reading a story about him that someone was saying if he can get to 30 wins and three major championships, I mean, he's already a lock for Hall of Fame. But if you can get to those numbers, then you get into the absolute upper echelon of world golf. But that means, as we often say in this, in this part of uh, the analysis of these things, he needs to have a Bubba Watson career from now. So... After age 36, can he do what Bubba's done throughout his entire career to get to that platform? I'm, 
that's I've got my question marks on that because I don't think he can win heaps and heaps of major championships, to be honest. But his physical prowess is, um, you know, it's it's without peer. I think. You feel like a player of his level. Maybe you get half a dozen cracks at a major, and he obviously had a lot of those early in the last decade. Where uh, I think it was whistling straights the first time when the sort of like the hazard infraction and that sort of thing, uh, and yeah. obviously Cham- Chambers Bay, the three putt from 10, 12, 15 feet, which sort of blew everyone's minds at the time. But he's, I mean, he's had cracks at winning majors, and some players sort of tend to win them all and don't leave any behind. But I feel like Dustin's probably had the opposite of that. Uh, at the biggest tournaments, but he, yeah, he's, he's quite a marvel and to still be sort of up there. And I mean, there's not, nothing to say that he wouldn't get to Harding park in six weeks time and play like he did last week and win another one. But I mean, who could say? That's very true. So as I said, he's gone past Greg Norman with his 21st win joins Davis love and Lanny Watkins 30th all time. Now, uh, one win behind Ray Floyd, three behind Gary Player, and only four from Johnny Miller. I mean, these are the, you know, the genuine legends of the game uh, that he's approaching. So maybe I need to just have a good look at myself and my ranking of Dustin Johnson. So Jason Day, from the Australian perspective at the Travellers, was seven under the best place. Uh, good to see him, well, not so much in contention, but finally make a lot of birdies to show that he could uh, get back there soon, hopefully. Uh, Mark Leishman, a previous winner of the tournament, five under Greg Chalmers, I'm going to speak about uh, in, at great length here in a minute, it was the other Australian to make the cut four over par um, in finish 67th. The other Aussies signifying just how um, how the level of scoring since the resumption of play on the PGA Tour has been. It's been extraordinary. Cam Smith, 69-68. Cam Davis, 66-71. Cam Percy, 67-72. All missed the cut. I mean... So for choppers like us, that Justin, I'm not talking to you, Stace, their career rounds and, and uh, you know, they're missing cuts. It's unbelievable. Um, Aaron Baddeley and Matt Jones also missed the cut. But I do want to talk to you both about Greg Chalmers because this, this is one of the all-time great incidents. Uh, let's perhaps, Justin, if we can, let's hear the audio of what we're about to talk about. All right. For those who are unaware, that is uh, Greg Chalmers teeing off in the fourth round of the Travellers Championship. And the noise you <laughs> heard, oh, look, there's no nice way of, around saying this. It's a fart. It's a massive, dirty, big <laughs> fart. Uh, I never thought I'd say this on Inside the Ropes, but here we are. And the culprit is Ian Poulter. Uh, he fessed up on Twitter later and said, geez, the wind, the wind was getting up early in the day. So, um, you know, uh, some some quality humour there. But if you have, Stace, we have to go to you as, the, as a tournament player, and I'm not sure anything like this ever happens on the women's tours. But Oh, you, yeah. you never know, Hazy. Well, we're trying to find out. That's the whole key to this right now. I'm not going to dob anyone in on Inside the Ropes, that's for sure. <laughs> well, without names, though, that surely can't happen too much. No, I can't say I've heard uh, that that happened before. I have heard of people that have maybe had to, you know, pull off a shot 
because they've uh, they're not feeling comfortable. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, and I'm not mentioning names on this, but I really hope they listen to the show because we've had that discussion before. So um, yeah, but I haven't heard one uh, caught on caught on audio like that one that we just heard there before. So do you think this show could prompt a couple of confessions? What maybe that's what we could look for. Have a little call in. <laughs> what do you think we should call the segment, Stace? Um, do you know what? I'm going to let you name it, Hazy. How about how about the one that got away? <laughs> yeah, not bad, not bad. I yeah. just can't. I can't believe that Ian Polt has just unloaded both barrels on in front of the microphone. That's just extra, yep. <laughs> extraordinary yeah, behaviour. Uh... The way he scampered off the tee box is also very funny. <laughs> he even runs after Greg Chalmers and they scoot off the front of the tee box. It's quite good. <laughs> my single favourite bit of it, if you actually get to see the vision of it, uh, it's on doing the rounds on social media. It's, it's got closed captions on it, and they actually bracket fart <laughs> as the noise is uh, played. So you know they've got it all covered there on uh, on PGA Tour video. So uh, extraordinary, Ian Poulter. That's just uh, one for the one for the record books there, I reckon. Now. Guys, at the same time that tournament was being played across the continent at the Utah Championship, we were watching and hoping that Jamie Arnold and Ryan Ruffles would get the job done um, in the Utah Championship on the Corn Ferry Tour. They sort of were in position, even after uh, different ways of getting to the final nine holes, but both just fell away uh, under the, I guess, under the pressure of the back nine and some pretty horrendous weather late in Utah. Yeah, it was a, I mean... (laughs) Ryan Ruffles walks away. He shoots 64 in the first round. He shoots a 63 on Saturday. And he's going to walk away in uh, share of 27th on the leaderboard. And, I mean, he, he only shot 70 and 73 on the other two days. So I think that says everything about the Corn Ferry Tour, which we obviously know is can be brutal at times. But uh, Ryan's playing really well, and he's not the only one there. Jamie Arnold is T- T18 there. He matched Jason Day's effort four rounds under 70. So... A great effort from Jamie Arnold, who is creeping up there along with Ryan. They're sort of hovering around the 50th mark on the money list, which obviously they need to crack that top 25. I think I'm pretty sure there's still cards going to graduate. I would assume so without having checked that, but who knows in this bizarre time. <laughs> yeah, I think there's um, yeah. it's not the normal method of getting promotion, but there's going to be a shared system. I'm not sure of the details. It's probably too complicated to go into here, but um, there's going to be a lot more in that uh, – I guess non-preferential category next year. Yeah, while we're uh, while we're on ruffles there and saying those fantastic scores he had, I don't know if you guys saw one of his. Uh, I think it was his front nine on Saturday. He didn't have a par. He had uh, eight birdies and a bogey. A three so, uh, bogey as well. Like it was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so pretty impressive. It's obviously great to see Ryan uh, Ryan in some fantastic form, and I think uh, hopefully you can keep that uh, keep it going. So Jamie Arnold's up to 59th on the, uh, I guess, the race of the 25, as Justin pointed out. Ryan at 47. Um, the other Aussies in play there at Utah, Mark Hensby, uh, a blast from the past, finished 11 under, a tie for 52nd. Brett Druitt from New South Wales finished uh, in 71st at 7 under the card, and Harrison Endicott missed the cut again. Rounds of 70 and 71. Not bad golf by anyone's uh, normal standards, but uh, just not hot enough on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, but still, as you say, Justin, really good signs for what's ahead for both Ryan Ruffles and Jamie Arnold as they uh, progress here towards getting a card next year. Um, just more stuff from the United States before we roll on. I just saw this morning that 
the US Open and all the USGA events that are televised have been shunted across to CBS uh, in favour of, instead of Fox Sports rather, because they can't fit in the new major championship schedule around the NFL, Major League Baseball and college football commitments, whatever they might be later in the year. So we miss out. This is dreadful news that we miss out on Paul Azing as you know, beautiful crafted analysis. Uh, So (laughs) me for one, don't don't tell me you're in the Azinger camp, Justin Falconer. I'm not in the, uh, yeah, no, I'm not. But uh, it's just extraordinary by you to just line him up and <laughs> oh, just a little, just a little love tap on the way through for the zinger. Yeah, that's fine. Hey, he's a big listener of the show, so just be careful. Well, he wouldn't have liked what Andy said about him a few weeks ago, so I think I've, I think he's been let off lightly there. Um, just after the show we recorded last week, uh, episode one sixty nine. Not long after that, the Ryder Cup was formally moved from uh, its time slot this year and will be played in 2021. Uh, there's been no official announcement on the President's Cup, but you can take it to the bank. Um, a very good source has told me that we'll revert to even years. So the President's Cup next year will be not played in favour of sending it to Quail Hollow again in 2022. And from then on, 2024 and 26. So back to even number years for the President's Cup um, and odd number years for the Ryder Cup. Um, which is basically back to how it was before the Ryder Cup was scrapped for a year when the September 11 attacks happened in 2001. So for a couple of different reasons, um, you know, one natural and one not so natural, the uh, those great team events have been moved. But um, have you got, guys got any thoughts on, on, on that? I don't know if it's really too noteworthy at the moment. It seems distant. It seems like it only just happened. That's amazing. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. I hadn't heard all the years and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think the Ryder Cup without any chance of uh, fans, at least by moving it back, they have some chance. Um, and I think that's been the general with what players have been saying as well. Like, you know, some have even said they don't, they won't play if there's no fans. I don't know how true that is. But um, yeah, so no, I, I like it. I like, I'm all for it. I'm interested that they didn't, oh, I'm sure they considered it having both next year and which we talked about last time I was on a thing hazy and you could sort of have a two week stretch of the world's best team golf imaginable. And I think with the Solheim would have been scheduled for next year as well. So I'm sure they thought about it, but they've obviously going to now have a three year gap between the last Ryder cup and the next one. And then instead of going back to back years, which I mean, I'm sure there would be demand for it. I don't think anyone would turn around and say it's been too much Ryder cup golf in the last 12 months, but they're obviously going to then have another two year gap and swap them around. So uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I don't think anyone would have had an issue with a President's Cup and a Ryder Cup next year and then a Ryder Cup the year after. No, and, you know, the Ryder Cup, uh, I think it stands alone to me anyhow as, the, as golf's premier event. Um, you know, it, it transcends golf. It becomes a sporting occasion that the whole world takes notice of. And I think they've done the right thing here to, even though I agree with what you just said then, Justin, but... Uh, to make sure the crowd's there because it's such an integral part of the tension and the atmosphere. Uh, I think they've pulled the right rein there. I think you can play events like the Travelers Championship, etc., without any fanfare. But I think you really need the, you know, the the roar of the crowd and the pressure and the tension to make that uh, get its full to its full extent. Now, Stace, speaking of breaking news, I'm going to let this uh, come out of your mouth here. The state challenge. Um, is going to be something that 
it's not formally up on anyone's website at the moment, but hopefully in a couple of hours by the time we release this podcast uh, into the ocean, uh, this story will be live on the website at Golf Australia and also the PGA of Australia and the ALPG. Great new event coming online. Yeah, I guess it's awesome, uh, you know, that PGA, ALPG and Golf Australia have sort of put their heads together and while there's, you know, very limited competition for our Aussie-based players right now, um, you know, put the heads together and, you know, like, what can we do? Um, all right, we need some need some competition, but obviously we can barely travel within each state or we can barely travel out our driveway at the moment. So, um, yeah, so we've come up with the state challenge. So on three consecutive Mondays from July 13, 20 and 27, we're going to be having three 36-hole events in each state um, where we're going to be having professionals, and amateurs sort of playing together. So I guess the idea is, yes, to create the competition, but we want to have that connection engagement between our like current future and future stars, um, you know, sort of a mentoring sort of idea as well. Um, yeah, so it's kind of – I think it's really exciting. I think it's going to be a bit of pay for play for the professionals, um, you know, put in some cash to, to play for and have a nice sort of little purse, something on the line, and the amateurs – also, we'll have a, an entry fee, but some nice vouchers to be able to play for as well. And men's We've had and some, women's, of course. Yes, and men's and women's competing together, like men's and women's professionals competing together, men's and women's amateur um, amateurs competing together on adjusted uh, on adjusted courses. And we got some like some fantastic courses, you know, that people people are wanting wanting to have it as well. Which is, you know, I take my hat off to the golf clubs through this. Uh, this busy time. Um, yeah, so it's awesome. We've got some great names that have committed, uh, both professionals and amateurs. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, so it's great. Yeah, so really good. Stace, I'm not sure if you um, are aware of the integra- integral details of the planning of it or not, but the clubs that are, have put their hand up to be host, I, I've got a list of the clubs. So um, I hope that some of them, maybe maybe those outside Victoria, anyhow, uh, obviously COVID's become more of an issue in the last few days. You might even be able to sneak along and see a bit of tournament golf from some of Australia's premier players. I'll, I'll just run through some of the courses here. Uh, in Victoria, uh, both East and West at Royal Melbourne uh, and Victoria Golf Club itself put their hands up. In Queensland, Pelican Waters uh, on the Sunshine Coast, Brisbane and the Coolangatta Tweed Heads Golf Club on the Gold Coast. Uh, in South Australia, Glenelg, Grange and Royal Adelaide have all put their hand up. Lake Karen up, West Australian and Royal Perth in WA. Um, haven't got anything from New South Wales uh, where the events will only feature professionals, I understand. Um, yes, I don't know, correct. I don't know which, and that's New South Wales are one out on that. I'm not sure which course is that. Um, yeah, it's a chance probably, especially in South Australia, WA and Queensland, to get out and see um, some of the some of the courses that you don't often see in tournament play, uh, and, and I, I hope I'm not sending people up the wrong path there, but it's, it, it'll be phenomenal golf. It really will. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, like I said before, you know, we've got some of the some of our best amateurs that are playing. We've got going to have some some great professionals uh, again. Hannah Green's playing, um, Karis Davidson, uh, Anthony Quayle. Blake Windred, Travis Smythe. Um, there's some really, this, yeah, I could go on. Like, there's some, there's some really good names playing. But he, again, you know, going back to the idea of the event, like, yes, it's to create some competition, but so we have that uh, connection engagement between our 
older and like sort of starting out players, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so mm. look out for details of that on the GA website, also the PGA of Australia and the ALPG. The um, story will be up sometime later this afternoon when I get my uh, act into gear and uh, do some posting and sharing. Uh, but yeah, some really phenomenal stuff. And speaking of phenomenal stuff, we've got a, a cast of thousands to come on uh, the show today. Uh, first up after the break, we're going to talk to Gabby Ruffles, um, who's a prodigious young Australian talent who's just had a win on the Cactus Tour in the United States. We'll also feature uh, Robert Vincekovic from the Glenelg Golf Club and Catherine Norris from Mandra in WA, all doing great things in various realms of golf. We'll chat to them uh, through the tournament. We'll take them through the tournament. How am I going? Through the show. Uh, and we'll, we'll chat to them uh, as we get to them. But after the break, Gabby Ruffles is going to join us all the way from Las Vegas. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes, and we're thrilled as ever to be joined by one of our favourites here, uh, Gabby Ruffles. Welcome again. We chatted to you after a massive win last time, and we're happy to do so again today. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. You're making this a pretty uh, regular habit. It's a good one to get into, too. Yeah, it's not bad. I was just thinking last time I called you guys was after uh, USM, so it's, it's cool to be back. So let's let everyone know what you're doing here. You're, you're obviously um, tuning up to defend your title in August in Maryland, uh, but there's some there's some great things going on. You're playing against the pros and then also against the boys coming up. Let's, let's start with the pros. You've you've just had a win on the Cactus Tour at the weekend. Yeah. So I I mean obviously everyone's had a lot of time off. Um, my last tournament was in early March, so I had about three and a half months off. So it was I was just looking for events and. One of my friends told me about the Cactus Tour. I didn't really even know about it, but I just wanted to get back out and playing. And, um, yeah, luckily there was one in, in Vegas last week and one this week, too. And so I was able to drive up. It's only like four hours away from my house. So um, I was able to drive up and get an event in. And uh, first tournament back, I had a win, which was kind of unexpected. <laughs> but uh, it was it was really cool. And it gives me a lot of confidence for the events coming up, too. And you stuck it to the pros too. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I mean, it's not—I guess it's not the strongest field. I mean, there's a couple LPGA players like Haley Moore, um, Gigi Stoll, a couple on the Symmetra too. But I mean, it's just kind of a warm-up tournament for the things to come. But um, yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> hey, let's not take anything away from the W, Gab. <laughs> Um, Gab, how did it feel to be competing again? And obviously with such a layoff, I know you, you generally like to play a lot, compete a lot. How did you actually feel getting out there under the pump? And obviously I'm sure you felt it coming down the stretch too. Yeah, it was awesome. Obviously I was a little rusty. Um, but I mean, even the first hole, it was so fun to get those like kind of first tee jitters again. And, um, even the last day, like coming down, I knew I was in contention and, just kind of feeling that again. It's one of the best feelings. So, um, I mean, it was awesome. I love competing. I don't like practicing at all. Um, <laughs> so I spent the last three and a half months practicing and I was sick of it. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I was just super grateful to be able to compete again. It was awesome. Nice. And you, you're planning on playing uh, a few of these, Gab, in the lead up to, uh, to USM? Yeah, so I had one last week, and then I have one this week that I'm playing. I just played my first round today. 
Um, and then I have. And would you like to turn- touch on that one, Gap? For how how you've started off? Sorry for me to jump in there. <laughs> I had three under today, so I'm getting used to these desert courses. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I started pretty good, and then after this, I have a tournament in Marietta, which is like 45 minutes away from my house. And then I go to Jacksonville for the Jacksonville AM before the USM. So were there any special COVID restrictions on what's happening around the Cactus Tour? Did you have to play in a mask or anything like that? No, we, thank God we didn't have to play in a mask. It's been like <laughs> 110 degrees over oh, here. Wow. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's just been single carts. So you can just have one person in a cart. Um and I mean, obviously you saw in the tournament picture, I had to wear a mask for the tournament picture and just kind of when you're inside the pro shop or something, you wear a mask. But other than that, it's been, it's been pretty much normal. Um, this week we've actually, we're not allowed to take the pins out, which is really different for me. I'm a very visual putter. So leaving the pin in is kind of something that I'll have to get used to. Um, but other than that, it's been, it's seemed pretty normal. So it hasn't been too bad. And Gabby, you're playing, you mentioned Jacksonville, the amateur there in a couple of weeks, I think it is. Tell us how that came about. And uh, you've obviously knocked off a few of the pros in the last couple of weeks. So now you get a chance at the blokes. Is that going to be kind of exciting for you? Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, I I mean, as I've been saying, like I was just looking for events to play. There hasn't been many. It's been really restricted, especially for the women. So me and my mom are kind of looking online. We're like, why don't we play? Why don't we see if we can play a men's event? Why not? Um, and obviously my brother lives in Orlando, so we were thinking about going to Florida anyway on the way to the USAM. Um, so we saw the Jacksonville AM and we didn't really know anything about it or anything. And so I wrote the tournament director an email and said, is there any possible way I can maybe play this tournament? It'd be a great lead up for me and it's in a great spot too. And he wrote back, he said, we'd love to, that'd be an awesome story. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm in and I can't wait. Should be fun. <laughs> and Ryan's obviously been playing pretty well on the Corn Ferry, but is he going to be around uh, for that? Is there any chance you can get him on the bag or something? There's actually no caddies allowed. Um, oh. But, yeah, that would have been good. I don't know if you would have done that for me. <laughs> I don't know. There might have been some fighting there, but... <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure if he's going to be around. I mean, obviously, he has a pretty big schedule with the Corn Ferry Tour. Um but I mean, I spent most of quarantine actually with him, um, practicing with him. And I think that's also been one of the huge things that's made me play so well is being able to practice with him and practice with um, Curtis and some of the guys that live in Florida. Um, and yeah, it's really helped me play well for these tournaments and hopefully the tournaments in the summer too. Yeah, well, whatever the ruffles are uh, eating at the moment, I think uh, they're on the right diet. <laughs> um, now, Gab, obviously your schedule initially pre-COVID uh, was looking uh, like an awesome, hectic year with, like, playing majors, playing everything. Where are you at at the moment with that? Like, what? obviously we know Evian's been cancelled, um, but how's things looking for you? Um, have they? What have they said about the British um, and other majors, I guess, coming up? Yeah, so we're still waiting on the British. That's meant to be mid-August, I'm pretty sure. Um, so we still don't know about that yet. But obviously, Avion was cancelled and the ANA was pushed to September. Um, and then the US Open obviously was pushed to December as well. So hopefully I get the chance to play in all those this year. I'd love to have the opportunity to play in them. That was something that I was looking forward to as soon as that 
putt dropped at the USM. I was like, majors. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. so yeah, obviously that'd be an amazing opportunity to be able to get to play the majors. Um, and hopefully that happens. But if it doesn't, maybe I can get a start next year in them. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to that if they do happen, and hopefully they do. Yeah, yeah. fingers crossed. Just with reference back to Jacksonville, Gabby, that um, obviously the key difference between you and the most of the field is going to be length off the tee. Um, where are you up to with that since we last saw you in person? And uh, can you match it? Can you do it? Yeah, so the, they're saying that the course is going to be 6,700 yards. So I've actually been trying to practice a little bit at that distance at my home course in um, in Palm Springs. And it doesn't seem too bad. It just seems like kind of like a U.S. Open like I played last year. Like pretty long, pretty tough. But I feel like if your irons are good and if my short game is good, I think I think it should be okay. But we'll see. Obviously, I mean, I've never played an immense event before and everything's going to be different. Um, but... I don't know. I mean, well, I've been trying to prepare myself and everything, so we'll see. <laughs> Jeez, can you imagine? Can you imagine if you just got up there and got in the hunt with a few of the blokes? They'd be, they'd be headless, I reckon, if you rolled them. I know. That would be That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. That's right. <laughs> now, now I've got to ask you another question here about your um, – you told us before that practicing is just, you know, not for you. Mm-hmm. Does this mean you've been bashing the books? Is your, is your average, your grade point average or whatever you talk about there, is it just magnificent now? You're getting straight A's? Um, I don't know about straight A's, but it's been easier with the online system. So uh, <laughs> mid-March, we all had to switch to online um, because we got sent home and we couldn't be on campus. So it's been, school's been a lot easier online because you can kind of like look up the answers and all that. I mean, I won't go on, I, I won't go on that now, but. Um, Gab, 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 every, I thought no, better. Okay, everyone has been doing better, not just me. Um, <laughs> We've got a lot of USC lecturers listen to this podcast, Gab. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been doing, I've been taking the summer school classes too, just to get a few out of the way since they're all online. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my main focus has always been golf. It hasn't really been school. But, um, yeah, I mean, I have one more year left at USC, and then I'm done with school forever. <laughs> <laughs> what are, You mentioned the goal is obviously to win in Jacksonville. Gap. What, what other sort of goals have you set yourself? It's obviously maybe things have changed in the last couple of months, but is there a sort of number of wins you want to get at college? Is it sort of making cuts in these majors or what sort of things have you set yourself? I know you're uh, on the cusp, if not already inside the top 10 in the world rankings. Does that mean anything to you, maybe getting up the top there? Yeah, um, for sure. I've definitely looked at the rankings quite a bit, especially um, at the start of the year. I think I'm at 11 now and that's for sure one of my goals is if I keep playing good golf, then I'll keep rising up the rankings. So, um, I mean, it's not, I've never really set myself like immediate goals. Like I want to do this and I want to achieve that by this point in time. Um, but I just kind of keep working hard, keep doing the things that, I mean, I feel like help me play well and hopefully I keep progressing. But even with the majors, I'd say um, I'd like to make all the cuts. That's definitely a goal. I haven't made a cut yet in a professional event. So I would love that's that's probably my first goal is to be able to compete against the best in the world and play the weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, just 
even kind of goals, just getting experience, you know, getting, being able to have that experience of playing in the majors. It would have been amazing to have that experience with fans, but obviously that's not probably going to happen. But even just putting myself in that pressure situation and seeing how I deal with it. Um, but as kind of immediate goals, I don't really have any. It's just kind of seeing how good I can keep playing and um, just working hard and seeing how that goes. Good, Gab. And um, Gab, you just spoke of, you know, finishing up college next year. And then, um, yeah, sort of beyond that, I guess, are you thinking LPGAQ school next year? Obviously, everything's been cancelled this year, so I probably, I assume that maybe that's not happening for you at all. Um, is that your plans for next year? Yeah, so that was going to be my plan this year, was to play Q school in August and maybe get some status that's in Symmetra or maybe even LPGA. So I have something to go to when I finish in May next year, when I graduate in May. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's not um, going to happen anymore. There's no Q school. So um, I'm not sure. I haven't really even thought that far ahead, to be honest. Um, yeah, obviously I'm going to graduate in May. I'm not sure if I'm going to turn pro straight away because I wouldn't have many starts. Um or if I just stay am until Q school, that's a decision that I'll probably make um, at the start of next year, seeing how everything goes. But that's, I definitely have my eyes set on turning pro and yeah, I mean, sooner the better, but I can't wait either way. I wouldn't rush it, Gabby, because I'm going to make another massive assumption here, given A, the world is in turmoil, but B, I think next year you're going to be going back to defend for the second time at the USM. So, you know, three three USMs in a row, Tiger style, I reckon, is what you should be gunning for. Yeah, that would be good. That wouldn't be bad. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, a few assumptions. Well, if we continue to get you on the podcast when you keep winning, obviously we're going to have a, a long and fruitful relationship here. We really appreciate your time. Um, congrats for everyone at home here. And uh, we're all watching. And stay safe. And, uh, yeah, keep up the good form. Thank you, guys. Good job, Gab. Gabby Ruffles joining us on Inside the Ropes. We'll be back with another guest straight after this. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. And as we have in the past few weeks, we're taking a much more grassroots approach as we get through this pandemic crisis around the traps and one of the stories that we've uh, very gratefully received uh, through the doors of Golf Australia is that clubs have uh, had an influx in membership. We were very fearful that um, some people might not take it up at a campaign around the country and just generally great support locally um, around all golf clubs has seen a spike in membership in several different cases. I know Carbrook in Queensland, one example, uh, 13th Beach, the, the host club of the Victorian Open, has been... Uh, booming in terms of membership and we're very lucky today to be able to talk to Robert Vinskovic who's the new general manager at Glenelg Golf Club and Robert we understand you guys have had a bit of a membership surge as well. Yeah hi Mark yeah we have definitely um, it's been an interesting time uh, through COVID and I guess golf uh, probably for the first time has a opportunity and a benefit over all other sports where we could play right through the pandemic so uh, here at Glenelg, we were members only um, and still are um, until later this week. Uh, and so that, you know, provided opportunity for members um, to play golf uh, only uh, and other people to join the club um, because it was members only. So uh, I guess it was good for the bigger clubs, um, 
here in SA, uh, the bigger clubs all have the same um, benefit in, in memberships, but the smaller clubs also where the, um, social golf and public golf was played, they benefited because they couldn't come to the bigger clubs, so they headed to those smaller clubs and, and those smaller clubs benefited in, in some big, strong green fee months uh, through that time. So how many have you added to the to the membership roster there at Glenelg? Yes, I went back to sort of when the pandemic was sort of announced sort of early March, start of March, we've had 24 joint full categories and then we've had another 13 in, in trial memberships. So. Oh, that's fantastic news, Robert. And and I, I'm really excited to hear the different categories too. Uh, is that something the club is looking to, you know, I guess change from its traditional platforms? Because I think that's probably a key for a lot of clubs right around the country to uh, make some new offerings basically to attract new people in. Yeah, definitely. Um, the traditional categories are important uh, and we're not sort of going away from those, but the introductory categories are, uh, are also sort of for the younger people, the people with not much time that they sort of are attracted to that and um, can get a feel of the club for say three months uh, before they commit the money. Uh, it's a lot of money these days, you know, paying an entrance fee. Um, sort of in Adelaide it's sort of around six and a half up to 13,000 at Kionga so uh, it's a fair bit of money to commit in your first year uh, and then we offer payment options as well to make it easier for those younger people coming through. Robert I know a lot of clubs have also seen a lot of existing members who probably were paying their membership but maybe not playing too much have either come back now or committed to maybe a full membership from just the house membership has that been a similar story for you guys? Yeah, similar case here. Uh, a lot of people coming back from absentee categories. Obviously, there's no international travel and uh, very limited uh, domestic travel. So um, people are playing uh, more than ever, uh, not just at Glenelg, but all the clubs uh, in SA, you know, just inundated with uh, the amount of golfers around the place. And I'll give you an example. On a Monday, we'd sort of have about 80 people. And, and through COVID, we had about 180 people playing. So. It's generally a quiet day, let alone Saturdays. You have to turn away a few uh, stroppy people, I suppose, if the time <laughs> keeps shut. Yeah, it was a bit tough through that period, but they all understood. They, you know, we, we went down to a two ball. Uh, we did all we can in terms of COVID safe and, and not touching anything uh, while they were here. And everyone was understanding and everyone was just happy to get a game no matter what time. And Robert, with those, uh, you know, that, that type of the number of uh, new members that you've got do you think are they coming like are they new to golf are they new to your club are they have they come or just a mixture have they come from another club or uh, generally a mixture uh, we get a few new ones through the these um, women's try golf programs but they tend to be family or relatives of current members uh, whereas most of our most of our new members come from other clubs the, the smaller clubs or public clubs uh, and with those clubs being being fairly busy, they, they did you know, step up to a private club and happy to pay the money to sort of get more more availability to the course. We had the good yeah, fortune to, to, to go over to Adelaide uh, with our Golf Australia hats on in the last couple of years. We saw the, uh, the Interstate Series, of course, yeah. the, the women's side of things there at Glenelg, but also the Queen Surrogate Cup. And, you know, we're used to seeing Glenelg in, in ripping condition. I can't imagine it's in anything less than that right now. Uh, it's perfect, even through um, the winter months. The, the course is excellent and 
I haven't been here very long, but it, it's made my job easy because the members are loving the course and the great conditions at the moment have uh, yeah, really made it easy to introduce these new members. And if I, if I could turn the computer around and show you the perfect winter Adelaide day, um, <laughs> it's and perfect. Oh, don't worry. We've got it. Melbourne's got it too, those perfect winter <laughs> days. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting away before the people up north to th go yes. to <laughs> I was just going to say about the obviously numbers are you know huge and playing wise at the moment are we seeing it across the board like with lessons and practice wise and stuff at uh, there Robert we are we are um, so I just spoke to the pro before I, I came on and we've we got 240 clinics uh, for juniors throughout the year <laughs> and they tend to be booked out and uh, and I guess at, at the start of COVID, some of the pros were a bit worried about lessons, but we did a few introductory um, specials to get more people involved. And, and yeah, it's actually just out of control, the number of lessons <laughs> at the moment. They can't keep up. The pros just put another uh, pro on um, to cope with all the lessons. So uh, they're inundated. They hardly take a day off at the moment. So. Yeah, it's awesome. So obviously people are playing golf, not just playing golf, not just practicing, like they're actually wanting to get better. <laughs> it's, just, it's great. It's Even great to hear. Yeah. Believe it or not. So yeah, they would convince. Yeah. It's great for our PGA professionals. Yeah. And I think it's like that everywhere at the moment. Like we, we, yeah. we have got together with the other SA clubs regularly through COVID. Um, we, we, we're quite close here. So there's four tier one clubs and we catch up regularly and talk about different things and in particular through COVID we're almost talking every day about you know who's doing what and, and as an industry trying to go together and and trying to stick together with dates and and time so that all the members from the clubs you know sort of got one one sort of word from the industry as a whole um, and, and then we we took that further uh, with Andrew from Royal Adelaide organizing a zoom meeting uh, with all the SA clubs and we're all involved so once a fortnight we get together uh, via Zoom and just talk about all the issues um, relating to COVID or, or anything and um, that was really useful for the clubs here in SA so whilst we are opposition we're sort of working for the good of golf um, together. Yeah that's that's great to hear. I just wanted to touch on one thing with you uh, Rob the the chance that COVID presented I mean obviously SA as a whole has done really well um, to minimise the impact of COVID-19. But when it first started and everyone was scrambling around, you guys took the opportunity to do a lot of things inside the club as well, didn't you, like physically um, adjusting the clubhouse? Yeah, we, we did. So there was a couple of items here that sort of have been on the in the budget and, and tough to get done in normal circumstances. And uh, carpet was an example of that. And when, when COVID... Uh, close us down. We we took the chance to rip out all the carpet and um, renovate the clubhouse, I guess. And and JobKeeper just made that um, that job so much easier. So we have about 30 people on JobKeeper here, and a lot of them are casuals, obviously hospitality, and they were willing to do anything to keep their jobs. And and that was one of my goals to try and keep everyone's job, and and we managed to do that. And and they were all painting. They were ripping out carpet, they were patching up walls and basically doing anything through that period to make the club bigger and better. Uh, we also had a chance to trial different things. So we ran a golf cart every day. We've, we've got a hut on the golf course, which we ran food and drinks from 
every day. So it was just a great opportunity to, to try things. And with the government chipping in some money towards labour, it just made it all that much easier. I reckon that's phenomenal, guys. So I'm not sure what you think, but to you know, to hear a club that's taking the bad times and making the most of it on so many different levels is, I don't know, music to my ears, I reckon. It was especially important for us with our fees due in the middle of April. So our subscriptions went out a week before the whole COVID hit and it was sort of the worst time possible, but just with some, you know, communication with members and, and, and showing them what they're doing and uh, gave them faith in the club. And we had 97% renew their subscriptions, which was huge for us and obviously made me sleep a lot easier at night. And <laughs> this period, um, yeah, just as strong will come through the other end. So uh, very pleasing. That's great. Well, thanks for joining us, Rob. We appreciate your time very much. And thanks for doing such a, a bang up job there in your first few months. What a, what a start. What, a, what an introduction to the Glenelg yeah, Golf Club. It's been interesting. Yeah. It's been sort of six months. And uh, what I told the committee I would do in my presentation, it didn't really turn out like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they understand. Yeah. yeah. If you'd said pandemic in your presentation, they, you may not have got the job, I don't reckon. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. Yeah, our members are great and it's a yeah, really good culture here. And I'm loving the club and yeah, look forward to a bright future. Beautiful. Thanks very much, uh, Robert Vincovic there, joining us from Glenelg Golf Club. Great to hear so many different things going on around Adelaide. I'm going to touch on one in just a second, but thanks very much, Rob. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Rob. And just more news uh, from South Australia before we leave. Um, tomorrow being July the 1st, the Regency Park Golf Course uh, has a new manager appointed, which is Green Space. Uh, and that's the course that sort of I guess it's not too far inland from the Grange and Royal Adelaide um, in the city of Port Adelaide um, Enfield. Uh, it's being managed by, as I said, Green Space from tomorrow onwards. They've got really big plans um, to tart the course up a little bit more, but um, also to add a new mini golf site called Shanks. Uh, which you won't be too familiar with, Stace, but the rest of us will be. Um, and it's sort Anything of in that, that word related to golf, should that be put together? Well, this S-H-A-N-X, so maybe that okay. makes it better. I don't, I don't know. Right. It's going to help attract new players and, and, you know, everything to get kids involved and new clientele inside golf club walls. Uh, so big uh, hopes there for the Regency Park golf course. But more importantly to me right now, I saw some great quotes about this from the mayor of Port Adelaide Enfield. Her name's Claire Bone. And she said, this is her quote, we can't wait to unlock the course's potential even further. And with these exciting developments, which will encourage more and more people to get outside and give golf a go. It's all about opening up the game of golf to new people, both casual and serious. And we'll be working closely with Green Space to unlock the true potential of what will become an amazing community asset. Now that's like, on the back of what Robert was saying there, I think it just shows me that things are going beautifully in South Australia. Uh, and that's an attitude that I think more councils, we, we, we still see uh, Clover Moore running amok in Sydney and other places going around who, who haven't seen the full potential and the benefits of golf yet. But if they listen to things like what Robert was saying uh, and start adding things to attract new clientele, I reckon we, we're kicking goals. So congrats to all in Adelaide. Um, always a great place to go. We love going to South Australia and that won't change as soon as we can get inside the walls of the border. Let us in. <laughs> Please. It's, nice, yeah. to, it's nice, nice to hear some positive words from a local council uh, about a public golf course. It doesn't happen yeah. too often, so no. Very definitely true. heartwarming.
Very true. And speaking of heartwarming, uh, on the other side of this break, we're going to catch up with Catherine Norris, who's doing something absolutely fantastic for not only her mum, but the golf community and and the health of Australians uh, more broadly on the other side of this break. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes and yet another special guest. We've been talking about Catherine Norris for two or three weeks here and the the epic thing that she's going to do this weekend coming up. Uh, And we finally get the chance to talk to her. She's been very busily preparing it all, but we have the great pleasure, as I say, in welcoming Catherine Norris along to the podcast. G'day, Kat. Hey, how are you? We're fantastic. And you you are a a very busy soul lately. A lot of organising you've been doing. Yeah, it's been... um... It's been busy, um, but we're sort of everything's sort of coming together now, so it's looking good. So tell us what's happening this Sunday at the Cut. Um, so, well, the last couple of weeks have been raising money for the National Breast Cancer Foundation, um, and then this Sunday's are sort of our our a wind down of it. Um, and we've uh, got six uh, amateurs and pros from WA all playing in a uh, like a charity event. Um, playing two bowl ambroses uh, and we set ourselves a challenge of 27 under for 18 holes like added our scores added up together and it's just going to be um, just a really good day to finish off um, all the funds that I've raised over the last few weeks. So I, I just had a uh, sneak peek before and you, you're getting some serious money donated to a really good cause you better actually explain the cause to us because I know it's very dear to your heart. Yeah. Um, no, it's been the, you know, the support that we've had has been um, extremely overwhelming. Um, we did set ourselves an ambitious target of 20,000. And so far we've raised uh, just over 9,000 with, um, with another donation to go in today. Um, but yeah, it's extremely close to my heart. My mum was diagnosed with breast cancer late last year. Um, and that's sort of what's inspired me to do it because, you know, you don't really know too much about um diseases and illnesses until you until you actually have to experience it so I've learned a lot about it and um, you know it's it's such a common thing um, I don't wish upon what or I've had to go through and what my mum's had to go through upon anyone um, so if I can sort of make a difference in some s- small way it would just be um yeah it'd be massive for me so yeah, absolutely fantastic what you're doing, uh, Kat. And do you want to tell us, I guess, how you've sort of been raising the money? What sort of things have you been doing and what's, what's your plans? Um, so, well, we set up an online link just obviously with, uh, like, coronavirus and everything happening. It's um, Everything seems to be online at the moment. So we did that. Um, I set it up through uh, – created a Facebook page that people can go to if they've got Facebook. Um, if not, um, we've uh, – set up it's through gofundme so you can search on gofundme um for the for the for the link and and donate through that um locally i've had a few you know cash donations obviously some people prefer to donate cash um but we've just tried to advertise it as much as possible through online you know we've received um donations from all around the world you know the uk us south africa it's been it's been like massively um supported so we're just yeah really grateful for that Kat, you mentioned firstly the uh, Facebook page. Give it a shout out so people can jump on yeah. and follow along. So it's called the Birdies for Breast Cancer um, and Challenge. So you just type that into um, your search bar on your Facebook and you'll be able to just go straight to that Facebook page. It's got all the information on it on there. Yep. 
Terrific. And you mentioned six amateurs and six pros. Tell us who's uh, playing. So six in total. We've got um, myself, Hayden Barron, Hayden Hopewell. So those are the three amateurs. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Hay- uh, Hannah Green, Jared Felton, and my coach, Braden Becker, um, for the three pros. So um, it's a it's a good little group there, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's a, uh, a star-studded lineup you've got there, Catherine. Yeah, Very good. Well, well done. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm, I'm really grateful for the players making the effort to, to get down here, um, especially Hannah. Like, how amazing is that? You know, the person that she is, uh, it really shows a lot about her character that she's really making the effort to, um, to give back to community. And, um, yeah, we're just super stoked that she agreed to do it. And it's been doing a lot for the WA amateurs and even younger, I guess, players and that. A lot of the juniors at Mount Lolly, you know yeah. her pretty well. And I'm sure she didn't take much arm twisting to come down and no, help you out. you know what? It was amazing. I sent a quick message and it was, yep, yeah, I'm in, count me in. So there was no um, no question to ask me anything about it. She just said, yep, yeah, involve me. So, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a huge thing for her to do. So I thank her very much. But, yeah, mean- she's done um, fantastic things in WA. So, yeah. Does that mean you've dragged her as a partner? She's my partner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh it, just, it just fell that way, didn't it, Kat? It's just the way the draw yeah, went. I mean, you've got to have the two girls together, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so, no, it'll be really good. I mean, I played with her um, a little bit before she turned pro. And, um, you know, she was the – I roomed with her the last year that she was in the women's state team. So um, I've, I know it, like, a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it'd be really nice to play with her again. Obviously, she's had a – on few years so it'd be nice you've uh you've been up at the top of the order for the wa state team for a couple of years now and as has hayden barron he's sort of the uh probably the uh, spiritual leader i guess of the men's wa yeah. team how, <laughs> he's, how, also, how he's, always got his, he's always got his um his little words for us all yeah he's, he's really great yeah how badly do you want to beat baz and would you rather beat him or your own coach oh. <sighs> It's always a great satisfaction beating my own coach. <laughs> um, but, no, nah, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm just, the, the day's obviously not um, competitive in that kind of way. Um, there'll be a, a, I'm sure there'll be a lot of banter thrown around with, with Hayden being involved. That's just the kind of person he is. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a team event, so we're not really competing against one another. But, um, yeah, it'd be nice to, to obviously play well and, uh, and um play some good shots i guess i've always found hayden to be a very shy and retiring type i don't even know what you guys are talking about (laughs) no he um he's definitely a character yeah he's he's a really great guy to be around um a lot of positive energy and um yeah he's everyone loves him here in wa i don't think i've met anyone who's not a big fan of him so he's great that extends right across the country mate uh tell us tell us about the cut just a and an underrated course probably there at Mandurah, but, um, you know, it's pretty special, isn't it, right on the coast? Yeah, it's 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 amazing. Um, I guess I think one of its downfalls is probably its location. It's just a little far out of out of the city in that kind of in that kind of way. Um, but it's brilliant. Like it's you know, there's seven or eight holes that run directly along the ocean. Um, condition wise, it's just it's lush, it's green, um, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I see they've thrown in a fair bit of support for the day as well financially already. Yeah, yeah I mean, what they've done um, putting on this event is, is, is like, fantastic. I got a really nice donation from those as well. And, you know, they've all been so accommodating and, and um, worked really hard to, to make the day um, as good as it can be. So, yeah, I thank them very much. 
Yeah, it's just going. We got Gosnell's last week. We got the cut now, and we just spoke earlier, Cat, to um, to Robert Vinskovic in Glenelg, and all the clubs yeah. around Australia are really rallying behind right now. I think the golf community is getting stronger. Is that a fair comment? It always seems that way in WA. Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, with like uh, the coronavirus and and everything sort of been put on hold, it's it's really good to you know use golf as a way to um, raise awareness for these kind of things and 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 keep it going and keep um and keep golf a an option for people and um and introduce new people to golf. So um, yeah, golf WA um, do a great job with with um you know enhancing their their program and and getting younger people involved and um yeah i think it's it's just a really good thing thing for golf in general okay that's uh fantastic congrats uh on all you've done and good luck for this weekend i hope you uh get closer to your goal uh fundraising mark thank you so much yeah it's gonna be good hopefully (laughs) thanks kat we really appreciate your time appreciate you joining us and best of luck for everything thanks for having me on and before we go, Stace, we've got to give a very important mention to former touring pro course architect and now tournament director, Mike Clayton, down at uh, <laughs> St Andrews Beach, where we know Clayton's got a house and he's doing everything in his power as he can to move down there permanently. But he started his own little tournament, Clayton, down at St Andrews Beach, the St Andrews Beach Invitational. Today's Tuesday, so they're out there now finishing up the second round and uh, the scores from the first round were quite extraordinary. Some Pros is playing, amateurs playing, all sorts of people. Matias Sanchez, shot six under. He was in the lead, three clear of uh, Jeff Ogilvy. You probably heard of him too. And uh, a couple of young <laughs> Victorian guns, Blake Collier and Lucas Michelle playing as well. And their level as well in the top five, Matt Griffin, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. But uh, all sorts of the young amateurs playing as well from the VIS and the Victorian program. Janith Wong's playing, Steph Bunky's playing. And I wanted to give one very, very special shout-out to now official friend of the show, Mark Allen, who went out yesterday and shot four over, which in tough conditions uh, was an exceptional effort, I thought. I put him easily in the top half of the field and uh, helped him to cover Brendan Goddard, who's playing as well in this. He shot seven over, which is by no means uh, to be sneezed at. But uh, our man Marco said last week that he's off plus three and uh, four over there at St Andrews Beach, probably a... probably ratifies that pretty nicely. So shout out to Marco for an amazing effort and well done to Clates for putting on the whole show down there. I'd personally like to thank Clates, Stace, before you go there, just, you know, for the invite. I just must still be coming in the mail. I, I might have missed that one. So thanks, Clates. There was, a, there was a mass text message that went out, Hazy. So I'm not, I don't want to start trouble, but perhaps you weren't in that uh, group chat, which is uh, mildly disappointing for you. That's even more awkward, isn't it? It's going to be very disappointing for those who like Mike Clayton on the podcast, saying I'm the one who's organising the, the scheduling, the rosters. <laughs> was, I saw some very funny footage of Clayton on Sunday night at his house at St Andrews Beach with a bunch of old balls on the floor, throwing them into bags uh, for the range balls. So he's literally doing everything head to toe. It's been a one-man show down there from Clayton, so it's been a fantastic effort from him. And who knows what the St Andrews Beach Invitational could become? It's awesome to see. Great, great idea from Clayton. And I think it really it come from uh, just a couple of pros. Uh, he's obviously good, uh, good mates with Sue and Lucas, Sue O, Lucas, Michelle. Um, where they were, you know, just thinking of like throwing some cash in, let's, you know, something to play for when we can't travel. And and then it sort of, you know, turned into, all right, well, why don't we get some older players involved? Why don't we get some of the amateurs involved? And like, I mean, they had some, you know, they got some great names down there. I got, I went down for a little bit and watched yesterday. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome to see. And just some of the younger, and 
I guess the younger players getting to experience, like you mentioned, Ogilvy, like, you know, they're teeing up with a major champion just in, in their backyard. So um, now great initiative. Well done from Clates and St. Andrews Beach for, uh, for hosting. And also on uh, Marco, I, uh, Marco is definitely, he won the best dress down there yesterday. Absolute, <laughs> just looking dapper in his Kingston Heath logos. He was in his, he was in the cords. I tell you what, there's not many people that can pull off a pair of cords, but he, he did it comfortably. Um, and he, he did actually mention, was there a best dressed? So now it was, uh, it was good to see, good to see Marco again out and about. Plates will probably be pretty disappointed. He might have got pipped for best dressed. I know he takes pride in these sort of uh, slacks. And we've seen Plates playing corduroys a fair few times, but <laughs> we should just uh, this this the field that he acquired is great. Craig Spence was playing. Nico Hearn was playing. He played with a couple of the young guys yesterday, I think. And uh, Brady Watt, the Marcazani brothers. It was fantastic to see all these people get down. Obviously, looking for somewhere to play. Mike Rolls played as well, and uh, magnificent to see all these people get down to San Andreas Beach and have some tournament to play in, I guess. Outstanding. Yeah. Thanks, thanks yeah. again, Clates. Very really good. Appreciate, really appreciate it. I'm only, I'm only 20 minutes away by ferry and I couldn't quite make it. Yes, Stacey, have you got something to add to the whole tale? I I just went to add on. So obviously Sue was a big part of getting the, the show up and running, right? And obviously we didn't roll through her name on the list there. So unfortunately it was Sue's, you know, one of Sue's ideas and Sue was feeling a bit crook last week. And she obviously with COVID, everything going on, she's like, right, I should do the right thing. I'll go and have a test. Goes and has a test, but you don't get, because uh, it's uh, so busy right now with testing and stuff, the results were going to come back in five to seven days. Uh-huh. So then she couldn't, uh, once she'd had the test, she couldn't, she had to isolate. So then she had to withdraw from the event. So, oh, so oh, she poor was, girl. <laughs> I know, she was, she was devastated. So, um, yeah, but it was... Uh, a funny story, but Sue's uh, Sue is well at the moment. So I can report. I was wondering why her name wasn't on this leaderboard, and <laughs> now now I'm sure she's eternally grateful for you to bring that up, Stace. So. Yeah, sorry. So she is she is well, Stace. You know she's okay. Yes, yes, she's uh, she's okay. It was just uh, yeah, she just felt like she should because, go and get a test because because yeah. you know it's obviously a lot going around. She just didn't want to go out and you know, feel guilty about it. So no, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, perfect. Well, that wraps us up. We were great. Thanks to Gabby Ruffles, Robert Vincikovic and Catherine Norris. That's Stacey Peters and Justin Falcon. You've been uh, towers of strength. Both of you. Thank you. Thanks. Guys. Lovely to be up. on. We can't catch up in the office, but this is probably the next best thing. <laughs> well That's done guys. Right. That's episode number 170. Um, the first of a couple, Andy Ma free. Big shout out to the big fella and we'll be back to do it all again next week.